0: Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And
1: I am Josh Hallman.
0: And please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of your upcoming, our upcoming topics. Fuck, I ruined my podcast voice with my mess up. That was great. You can DM us with questions, topic suggestions, or you just want to rant about how terrible we are. We've gotten those (laughs) too. Um, you can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, all spelled mm-hmm. out, or on our Instagram or Twitter at act2writers. I'm at StoryThursday on Instagram and Tasha3.0 on Twitter.
1: Uh, Josh Holm Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Jo- wow, this is going to be a great podcast. Amazing. This Amazing. is great. It's the morning. We've both got coffee. We're, we're somewhere on uh, social media. <laughs> we're back, Tasha. Today. 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 This Week in Writing...
0: This Week in Writing. I have a good This Week in Writing that came up for me that I would like to talk about.
1: It's good. I have a better one. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) So so I went to film school. I went to grad film school. So it was two years of film school. They make you do, they make you produce a short film, which I was like, I don't want to do that. That's stupid. Um, Um, I'll write it, but like, why do I have to direct and produce it? That's dumb.
1: Did you say it like that? (laughs)
0: I was in college. I was like, what? whatever. Because <laughs> I thought I just wanted to write. Like, I had no interest in directing. That sounded scary to me. It sounded uninteresting. I wanted to stay in my lane and focus on the thing that I loved the most, which is, is great. I still have those feelings sometimes. But now, cut to Tomb Raider or any number of shows. Sure. And it's like, hey, can you, you have to go into this sound effects spotting meeting and this music spotting meeting and you have to, do color correction, and you have like you have to do all of these things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Josh knows because I keep texting him. <laughs> like, <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> we all went to film school. Tell me what this is because I just didn't pay attention in production or post. And so I, th- my This Week in Writing is you think you're just a writer, but eventually you are going to have to be everything. Mm. And I think it's worth... Paying attention, knowing, learning, meeting new people, reading things, because, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you a, a better career writer. People are going to be like, I want to hire Josh Holman because he is so good at running this show. Yeah, he can write killer scripts, but beyond that, like he can just run this show so smoothly I don't even have to check in on him.
1: That's probably how the conversations go. Yeah. I'm going to just make this about myself, naturally.
0: Well, of course.
1: I feel somewhat vindicated hearing this because when I ventured out to Los Angeles as a young lad from Wisconsin and I didn't know what I was doing, I remember thinking, and we've talked about this, I was like,
0: yeah. everyone
1: does every part of everything, like directors write, writers direct, producers direct, directors produce, it's all that stuff. And now hearing you say this, I feel like, hey, I'm glad I was right.
0: Maybe you were right. All this time, you and I have both been laughing at past Josh. <laughs> but past Josh was right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but on a serious note, yeah, that is, that's that's good advice. And it does seem like I was just, while you were saying that, I was thinking that now more than ever, I'm, I'm going to loop myself into this again, naturally. But you know, there's a lot of people who are creating and posting things online and creating things on YouTube and making short films. And I, f- I feel like now it's more accessible than ever. And so now people kind of, you just start picking up Terms and 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 you start learning things, even when you don't know you're doing it. I feel like mm. now, like before, you had to go to film school and understand what certain things were. Now it's like you get your friends together, you're editing Final Cut, and and you can you can kind of pick up certain things along the way much easier than before.
0: Yeah, I still feel like if a younger Tasha was hearing you say that, I'd be like, I'm not making short films with my friends. I'm just doing
1: <laughs> stuff. And then I'd be like, <laughs> you're right. Forget it. Forget everything I just said. But yeah, th- that's great. So you've learned a lot of new things along the way. You can make. I have. Them. Okay. So when are we going to get your directorial debut?
0: Soon. Now. Now I'm on track. I'm literally meeting with a friend this this week to talk about shadowing him in his next uh, his next movie that he's going to direct, so that I can learn how to direct. What?
1: Wow, that just came yes. out of nowhere. All right. <laughs> that's great. I can I cannot wait for director Tasha. <laughs> This is going to be my favorite version. (laughs) Just be like, run the fucking camera. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's happening here. Just go. (laughs) Dave and I will be in the back sipping our coffee, just like giving the nod.
0: (laughs) I'll be like, why'd you change that line, Actor. Say it as it's written. Is it, oh, is it written the way you said it? Holy okay, shit. Okay, then do it.
1: You're going to be like Tarantino, where it's going to be like, those are my words on the page. Say exactly what is on the page. And they're like, You're oh. a
0: tool. <laughs> oh, shit.
1: All right, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to my this week in writing. Okay,
0: <laughs> that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> so
1: I've been writing this dinner scene. And Ooh. yeah, for this thing that I'm writing. And it made me realize, and I, I was just stuck. I was stuck on it. It's a pivotal dinner scene that without getting too far into this, it's it's basically the end of a relationship. It, they go mm-hmm. in not knowing it's the end of a relationship, but then all of these things come up, and by the end of it, it's like this couple is like, we can't be together. What are we even doing here? Why are we even doing this dinner? This is beyond repair. Oh, sad dinner. We fucking suck. Yeah, it sounds sad when I say it that way. So as I was writing, I was like, I just kept going through it, and I couldn't figure out the scene, and then I would try to go ahead in the script, and in my head, I was thinking, okay, I'll just come back to it. But I couldn't do that because I knew how important the dinner scene was and it was just yeah. gnawing at me and I couldn't move forward. And it was almost as though I was debilitated with this one dinner scene and I eventually just powered through it and I got got it into a place that I still know is going to need to be changed, but it's close enough. And my point being is dinner scenes are really difficult to write. Yeah, And not only, and I mean that from a, a, a logistical point of view in the sense of, okay, we're going to have to time jump at some point. Like this couple has to come sit down. you you're, do your pleasantries or not. Or do you start in the middle of the dinner? It's like all these little things that kind of come into play with dinner because you're just sitting and it's not very yeah. cinematic. You're just in one place talking. That's all.
0: Yeah. And it's so hard to shoot as everyone always says, because mm. I am going wow. to be a director. <laughs> so director I know these Tasha, things. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
1: I, I, this is my favorite version of you. <laughs> this isn't even going to be a writing <laughs> podcast anymore. You're going to be like <laughs> the act two directing podcast.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, they're so hard because like I'd be curious what what problems you're encountering in the dinner scenes that I have found. You're right; it's like it's so hard to keep momentum going. Like the one that sticks out in my head is like super successful. Well, there's two: the one in Heat between Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. and then. The one in um, Meet the Parents.
1: Oh, <laughs> also the, at, at a De Niro movie. Oh wow, is he the master of dinner scenes or lunch scenes or sitting? scenes? I mean, scenes? he does
0: so much with his face. I mean, it's th- I don't know, I mean yeah yeah it's like how much conversation can you keep going and that's the thing is like you have to make it so tense or like every every action every look someone makes every way they hold their fork including their dialogue all that has to mean something for the scene to work otherwise it's just a boring ass dinner scene mm-hmm. right so it, it all has to be it's so character driven everything yeah. has to be so specific in particular and deliberate
1: yeah it has to the dialogue has to be exactly what you said it's got to be like very deliberate very crisp but just to the point but not too not too much to the point and yeah. it has to build to whatever it's leading if you to.
0: notice most scenes don't have a let's sit down to dinner they start at dinner already because nobody cares about past the mashed potatoes right i mean unless that's your point but usually we're already at dinner
1: yeah no that that, that what's what's interesting about my the scene that i was writing is it almost requires them to show up at separate times and oh yeah and and we had to see him beforehand and then they're both arriving to this place that they didn't know that they were going to. And it was it's just Mm -hmm. kind of one. My point being is they both had to arrive and acknowledge the location of the dinner. Yeah. So it's interesting, Tasha.
0: Did you have a breakthrough on what made you able to finally write it?
1: Well, a little bit. Someone else shows up to dinner and it throws things off and it allowed me to cut away to that other person Mm. and kind of cut away to this other story and that was I don't want to say a breakthrough but it was just very very helpful because you know you don't want to just it's not like an indie film that I'm writing where two people are talking the entire time it's a studio film yeah so it does need to be big and exciting all the time yeah
0: yeah that's interesting
1: and that's my this week in writing Tasha
0: it's a good one Just real quick, it reminds me of I'm writing a scene where characters go into a hotel and Mm -hmm. you're like, well, someone was like, well, why do you need to see them check into the hotel? I was like, well, I think it's funny. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, if you can justify why we see them check into a hotel, otherwise, why are we watching people check into a hotel? That's not interesting. Like, why not just cut to the room and like continue on with the story? So unless you have a reason why. You're showing them arrive at dinner, which you do, or you're showing them arrive at the hotel and checking in, then do that. But otherwise, it's just a boring ass check in scene. And I think it's important to note because I think sometimes we think, well, you have to show that, like, you have to show in real time that they're arriving at the hotel and Mm -hmm. this is just logically what happens. And we forget that, no, we can cut the fat and just hit exactly where the drama starts. And we understand that this person has checked into a hotel. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an in- interesting questions to ask. They're both valid as long as you have a reason why.
1: I completely agree with that. I recently went through trimming of the fat and not, it wasn't like a check into a hotel, but it was, I went through my, uh, a script and trimmed out those little moments where like those little basic things that yeah. are, they feel so good to cut out of the script and you don't think you can do it and you think you need to do it. Oh, I want to show him opening the door for her because he's a gentleman you don't need that shit. You need to just put no. in, you know, stuff like that.
0: Totally. All right. All right. Main topic.
1: <laughs> Main topic.
0: Today we are talking about... Directing. Something happening to me right oh. now. Because it's all about... This episode's about me.
1: <laughs> wow, good pivot. That was an organic pivot.
0: <laughs> uh, this episode's about being rewritten. What does it mean? How and when does it happen? What do you do when it happens? Mm-hmm. After you cry, of course. What do you do then? This is something, like I said, I'm going through right now, so the emotions of it are fresh in my brain, so it feels like it's the right time to talk about this because it's going to happen to you Mm -hmm. if you are a professional writer. So let's talk about what it means to be rewritten. In features, it means you have written a script. Maybe you've written an original spec. It's your baby. That's when it hurts the most because it came to you in a dream or after your father passed away. It is your passion project. Maybe you were hired to write on a project that already existed, perhaps a graphic novel, a book that a company had, maybe you are hired to write on someone else's script. So you were the first rewriter in this situation and that other person's crying. (laughs) Whatever the case is, (laughs) you have now gotten a call that says, thank you very much for the work you have done, but we're going to go in another direction or we're going to hire someone else or um, we love your script so much, but someone read it that we know and they happen to be a writer and they were able to find a way for your characters to be better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you, can get, you get calls like that or you just don't get a call at all. And you're like, mm. what the hell's happening? And then your agents tell you, oh, they hired someone else. Any yeah. of these possibilities could happen. Josh, how would you feel? One of your originals that you're currently in negotiations on like the deal closes producer says great we're having someone else come in and do a pass
1: well it's happening to me right now
0: oh my gosh we can talk about this (laughs) right now
1: um
0: first off i'm sorry
1: no it's okay i i i um just to give some some context i wrote a script this was a script that i had written that a couple people told me not to to write. And so then was the chip on my shoulder script. And I wrote it. It kicked around for a while. Uh, we tried to sell it years ago. It didn't sell. And then it kicked around a little longer. And an actor uh, ended up reading it. He came on board. And then flash forward to like the last couple months, um, a company was like, we're going to option the script. and I was like, great. And... I was like, okay, this is awesome. And they said, we have a director now and the director's also a writer and he wants to do a pass. And I was like, okay, well, you know, in my head, I was like, do a pass? How how bad could it be? Like, I wonder what he's gonna do. And I'm obviously cutting a lot of fat from this story, but I ended up finding out that there's gonna be a lot more than I anticipated rewritten in the Mm -hmm. script. And on one hand, I'm like, whatever, just whatever gets this moving forward. That's like 90% yeah. of me, but then there's the 10% that is just kind of like, well, what did I do wrong? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing differently that I didn't do? I know yeah. these people better than you.
0: Yeah, I created these people. How could you possibly take people I've created and make them better? Yeah, like, this- why Why didn't you just give me the notes
1: Yeah, and what- I'll address
0: it? Well, we can talk about why this happens in features. And then we're going to move on to TV because that's a whole different beast. But um, something that happened to me recently was producers loved my script. They said, no more notes. We're good to go. We're just going to have some trusted friends of the court read it, meaning some creative people that they trust, directors, producers, writers they like. Any of these could be friends of the court, which is a common term Mm -hmm. they use um, for people that they, it's, it's like a writer's group basically. This doesn't always happen. Sometimes this is your script and they go out with it and we're done, Mm -hmm. but it does happen. So in my case, this happened. And one of those friends happened to be another writer and she read it and said, I love it, but I can see how you can make the characters better by doing X, Y, Z. So not only did she say you can make the characters better, but she said, I have a plan for exactly how to do that and I'm very passionate about it and here's my pitch for it. And the producers are like, yes, that sounds like it will make it better. And because you have such a plan for it, it makes more sense to hire you to write the solution that you're talking about than to give those notes to Tasha to have her do it because you seem like you're narrowed in, honed Mm. in on this idea. So I got a call from my agents first who said, the producer's going to give you a call about this. (laughs) And I think that helps. The producer, like, softened the blow a little bit. The producer calls and says, oh, did you talk to your agents? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I'm so sorry. You know, we obviously love you, but we got to this point, blah, 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 and kind of explained his his situation. And you're right, Josh. Like, 90% of you is just like, I just want the movie to get made.
1: Uh, yeah, I want but the best for it.
0: You want the best for it. You just, when you're done writing, you do kind of let it go. But there, yeah. even on the phone, I was like, you know, it just kills me that you said it was a character pass because character is like the thing that I feel like I'm strong as that and you, you're you pointing that out specifically as being a weakness oh in the script God. and that's what killed me the most.
1: What if they said to you, you know, there's just not a clear theme. So. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: <laughs> and, uh, for any listener out there, Tasha is the master of theme for about, six straight years she every meeting we had she'd be like what is the theme and let's talk about it so yeah
0: you okay you joke but i had a meeting last night Mm -hmm. that i was i felt like i'm gonna bomb this meeting it it was to uh talk about a new story and it was i was meeting with the producers and i was like i have no ideas they're gonna fire me there's no way i'm gonna get this job and as we were talking i said you know let's go back to theme
1: oh yes (laughs) And I like, said, oh. "What do we
0: want this story to be about?" And they were like, "Oh." Yeah, they were. They were like, "Oh, that's a great question." And through that conversation, we figured out the story and I like finally had a handle on it. So
1: Nice.
0: I'm still a proponent of theme.
1: <laughs> Listen, I hate to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I feel like you can really <laughs> I don't want to say manipulate, but you can, <laughs> you can really win somebody over if you just really lean into theme and character in your conversation. So Not, too, not too much, but like, you know, the, the theme of like, what is the theme? What are we going for? Exactly what you said. And also these characters and the way they tie into theme. And then all of a sudden, whoever you're talking to, the producer, the executive is like, Wow this person has an incredible handle on story. You yeah. Can just I see think it that's so face. right.
0: <laughs> it's so right. Yeah. You just kind of throw out these words. Um, I was talking to another producer and they were, they were saying like, we have this director attached and he created this really great previs. Um, but we realized after he created the previs, he had so many cool ideas, but there was no theme mm-hmm. in like, the, the, I didn't know what the, what it was about. So ultimately his director wasn't a great fit. So Yes, you can have as many great ideas as you want, but unless you have theme,
1: yeah. we
0: should do a theme episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've asked you to do it. You're like, you've been putting it off for years because you, you know how heavy it's going to be. I don't really it's going
0: to take me like a month to prepare for that episode.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Anyways, being a team player... I think is really important in these cases because you do just have to kind of let it go. And also, if you're able to let it go and you're not cussing on the phone to this person, like, why the fuck did you fire me, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, you handle it with grace. You're someone that they want to work with again, even though they've rewritten you. Because that's that's the thing to learn is that everybody gets rewritten always. It's not even an indication that you did poorly. It's just... Sometimes, and we actually, Zach talked about this in our last episode, Zach Balin, who did King Richard was that sometimes you're just so deep into something that you need fresh eyes. You need a relief pitcher to come in and say, like, I hear what you're doing here, but I actually see a new way in. And that happens all the time in writer's group, right? We've been Mm -hmm. working on something by ourselves for a month. We give it to writer's group and someone has an amazing note that just breaks it open for you. It happens all the time. So that's just what this means. But speaking about kind of logistics... When you do get rewritten, it does mean you get less money. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. that's that's just something that's going to happen because you get paid if um, you get you get paid a credit bonus, they call it. So if you get sole credit on the movie like the movie gets made and no other writer came on board, you get sole credit for that movie, you get a certain fee at the end of that production. Um, but if you get shared credit, that fee is usually cut in half. So that's that's something to also consider. That's just that's just what's gonna happen.
1: Can I just speak to that for a quick second? Yeah. I, I don't think this. I, I've obviously everyone has their own thoughts on that, but kind of going back to this idea of being rewritten, I feel like if you are being rewritten, it is a step in the right direction for your career. So I don't think, mm. and even yes, the money issue is a big big deal. But I guess in my brain, you can always parlay a job into another job or into a meeting and to. You have to stay proactive in that regard because just because you're being rewritten doesn't mean you're just like written out of Hollywood. Yeah. And you're not a
0: It's so true. everyone's been like, even this this job I'm talking about where the other writer came on, in that phone call with the producer who was firing me, he's like, But we want you to want to hire you on another job. Oh so it literally happened on the same phone call. So that's just a good indication that this just is part of the business, right? Wow. You just have to kind of get over it, I guess. Wow. It's so hard. But then there's also the the version and features where, you know, you your movie gets greenlit, you're the writer who gets this movie greenlit, but of course now it needs a director to make it a reality. Director signs on to your script that's so great. They love your script, but then as soon as the movie is greenlit, it's now the director's movie and the director takes your job and says, "Thank you for your baby. I am going to raise it now." Mm-hmm. And starts to rewrite it on set. And for many reasons, this can be a really practical rewrite. Like, hey, we don't have the money to actually go out into the mountains to do this scene. I'm gonna change it and now it's here. And because it's here, some of the dialogue has to change. Like there's that version. And then there's a version where the director just like, as you're talking about, sounds like, just like does a total pass on the whole movie. And unfortunately, that's also part of the business. And if you don't wanna be rewritten that way in features, then go be a director,
1: unfortunately. Yeah, back full full circle back to directing.
0: Full circle.
1: (laughs) It's fine. It's it's a collaborative process. You're gonna be rewritten and it's not a bad thing.
0: It's not a bad thing. Do you want to direct after this experience in particular?
1: Oh yeah. Of course.
0: Have you directed your other your YouTube stuff?
1: (laughs) That sounded so bad. Did it? Yeah, of course.
0: I didn't mean to I didn't mean to diminish it. I just didn't know what no, no. else to call it.
1: No, when you play around with that camera.
0: <laughs> Shit. No, judge, <George. laughs> your cute little YouTube videos, the things that those sweet little. Oh, that's you the did. judgment
1: we've heard all these years <laughs> in the YouTube community
0: your youtube stuff <laughs> fuck i'm sorry
1: <laughs> no 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 it's okay I it is funny the way you said that though because my, my friend and i we were like pitching a show years and years ago and like things we would make and this and that and like anytime you'd meet with somebody there listen i'm not i do the same thing but there there's like a tear in the, the way people think about like so are you just um you just playing around like you guys just upload on the internet like and then what happens you know and you're just like dude <laughs> Okay. But, um,
0: so you guys want to be real filmmakers or? <laughs>
1: and I love you had you had the tone. You had it. No,
0: I did not. <laughs> no, it's
1: okay. I, I, listen, we all have it. I get it. That's how I th- probably talk about people on like TikTok. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're just making videos of yourself dancing. That's <laughs> they're very like, true. yes, and I make a million dollars a year. I'm like, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Sorry, influencer. <laughs>
0: yeah oh man okay well you're a director you're already you're a director producer and writer so you're all those things
1: uh and i have my SAG card just in case
0: and you're an actor fuck (laughs)
1: multi-hyphenate what the hell are we talking about (laughs) i don't know (laughs) all
0: right we're moving off from features we're talking about tv uh how do you get rewritten in tv and the answer is Unless you're the showrunner, every single time you write anything in television, outline, draft, doesn't matter, you are getting rewritten by the showrunner. Mm-hmm. So show, so TV writers probably are really good feature writers because they could just let it go because that's just how it's done. Um, and the reason why that happens, we've talked about this at length in other episodes, but the reason why that happens is because you, know, you have, let's say, eight writers in a writer's room. Everyone has a different writing style. They're going to try to write to your voice because you are the showrunner you are sort of the guiding light of the show you're the voice of the show so whenever you see west wing it's aaron sorkin all over the place it's not his other writers who helped him in that Mm -hmm. writer's room it's his voice so that's the way that tv gets made it's Kind of a singular voice otherwise it'd be crazy every episode would just sound totally different you'd have actors saying words that don't make sense to their character so that's why it's a showrunner's voice it's a singular voice so when the showrunner gets an outline gets a draft from one of their eight writers they have to go through it and make sure that it sounds like them or it sounds right
1: and i'm assuming that in uh, i don't want to say good writer but most writers in a writer writer's room that kind of have stable careers they start adapting to the voice of the showrunner is that right yes yeah
0: there's one one writer i knew in particular she said i'm really excelling at the show i'm on because i write just like the showrunner. so the showrunner will actually give me because she's so busy will give me scripts that other people are submitting in in the writer's room other writers and and give her the draft to do a pass on it first because she writes so similar to the showrunner which i think is definitely a boon and something to pay attention to when you're a TV writer to, to try to fit the showrunner's voice. But I think the issue I saw with this writer was her voice her own voice got lost because she was spending so much time writing in the showrunner's voice. Mm. But it's interesting because some of the writers in my writer's room now I can see them because you know how I use like double dashes and ellipses and I use oh, yeah, and I I cap do. things. <laughs> so I'm seeing them like starting to do that with stuff. Interesting. <laughs> and, um, and it is it is interesting. Can but
1: I, can I ask you a quick question on that? Yeah. Do, would you recommend if a writer is coming into a room to read scripts from the showrunner and write their first script geared towards the voice of the showrunner?
0: Yeah, you're going to be rewritten less if you can write the way the showrunner... Because the showrunner is going to go in and change it anyways if it yeah. doesn't sound like their voice. And if you haven't captured the voice of the characters that they're... Like, if you just... I'm going to do my own thing with this character this episode. It's not really going to fly in terms of the voice of the character, right? So yeah, I think like I I try hard to not go in and tweak people's action descriptions because I don't need that to be in Tasha's voice. I have a very specific voice with action descriptions. But sometimes I find I find that I'm the kind of writer who likes um kind of how do you say like like prose like action description where it's very visual rather than um, kind of the, the bearer style where it's like you're just giving the, the action description for the director. like I don't, I don't like that. It's not fun to read. And we're mm-hmm. at a stage in our show where the executives, the studio executives, need to be excited about what they're reading right? In order to green light the show, in order to give you less notes. So I tend to lead the read a little bit in my action description. So sometimes I'll go in to do that, and not because the writer has done anything wrong with their action description. It's just not quite as visual or flowery as I would like it to be for the read.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love double dashes, by the way.
0: I love double dashes, single dashes. Like when you go to double dash, but then you go to single dash, it's like, oh, like there's a reason for that.
1: Yeah, for sure. This person knows what they're doing. They have a handle on the dashes. (laughs) They
0: have a handle on the dashes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be rewritten in in TV and you're going to be rewritten in features. So this is a good topic to kind of get familiar with and to be okay with. I love it. I don't know. That's kind of all I have. <laughs> no,
1: that's great. Do, do we need to wrap up?
0: No, I think because Halloween is here.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. We should, this is we should
0: pivot slightly and, and end with some Halloween talk.
1: Yeah, we went in knowing that we were going to just touch on Halloween, but I was thinking to myself, we that was such a high note, and I feel like everything you delivered was so important that I was thinking <laughs> to myself, do I, really want, do I really want to nosedive this conversation with my thoughts on Halloween? <laughs> I, 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 mean, I have some... Yeah. I, ha- I wanted to pitch you something about Halloween.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: You ready for this? Yeah. So I watched the new Halloween movie, Halloween Ends. Okay. And I was thinking about how the franchise has come to the place that it's come, and I'm not going to give away spoilers, but in the last film of this new recent trilogy, so Halloween 2... Michael Myers essentially becomes like a superhero in this movie. Yeah. And and then in Halloween ends, there's some it's it takes some swings, which I really appreciate. And I and and it it just it's it's interesting. Let's just put it that way. And I really appreciate what it was trying to do though, but it got me thinking like the reason why I think it's doing these things is because it's it's backed into a corner. You have this mythology of Jamie Lee Curtis and her brother, Michael Myers, and that's it. That's what Halloween is. It's a guy in a white mask walking around doing his thing on Halloween.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then it got me thinking to myself, well, how would you move forward rebooting these franchises because everyone loves Halloween. Everyone loves Michael Myers. Everyone loves Freddy and Jason, uh, the Scream mask. like Those are iconic Halloween figures. And so I was like, right, this, is my, this is my pitch to you here, Tasha. Yeah. So number one, I was thinking like, what drives these movies? In Halloween, is it the relationship between Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis? Or is it the idea of a guy in a white mask murdering people on Halloween? Like, what do you think it is?
0: Well, the first ever movie is, I think, the best. And I've not seen Halloween ends, but Mm -hmm. I can kind of guess how that ends. Having seen... Anyways. And that one is not about the relationship, really. Really? Right. It's 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 a it's a more a classic slasher film.
1: Yeah. Yes. Do
0: I like the build of the relationship that they've created since with Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, it's really interesting. I love I love in the on the previous movie um, how they, you know, lock him in the basement. We're finally getting rid of him. And yeah. like all of that stuff is really feels really satisfying. But I don't need it for that series to exist.
1: And then A Nightmare on Elm Street, what's your initial instinct when I, when I tell you, like A Nightmare on Elm Street, like what do you think of?
0: Don't go to sleep.
1: Okay. So here we go, Tasha. I was thinking to myself, what if, imagine you're the writer, I am studio head, executive Josh coming to you, and I'm telling you what I'm about to do with horror franchises. And yeah. the idea being is, instead of trying to reboot these movies with Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. You're basically, come, I'm coming to you, saying to you, Tasha, here's the concept. A person can kill people in their sleep. That's it. It takes place mm-hmm. on Elm Street. Do whatever you have to do with it and go with God. So basically, yeah. it's, you're just taking the idea, which I think is what everyone latches onto. Jason, there's someone murdering people on a cabin or at a lake or whatever it is. Like, do you think that's a way to move things forward? Just call something a Nightmare on Elm Street, but not have Freddy Krueger make up a new villain who's killing people in their sleep and do your own thing with it. Does that yeah. make sense? Okay. Yeah.
0: You can do, you can do that. That's a, it's a solid premise. You can totally do that with anything as long as you make it completely different. Completely and different. I think nowadays you absolutely could. My that's version a- of Nightmare on Elm Street would be very different than any Nightmare
1: on Elm Street. But, yeah, there's something terrifying about that idea of, like, okay, if you go to sleep, this person's going to get you and probably kill mm-hmm. you. And just think of how awesome people have. Like, they're different ideas, but we're just we're, we're, we're handcuffed to Freddy Krueger. And I understand that because there is a connection that people have, and there is this mythology of Freddy Krueger. But imagine just getting rid of that, having another movie called A Nightmare on Elm Street, and then just doing it with your own. Like, maybe there's just multiple Elm Streets throughout the, yeah. the freaking world. Well, I'm it's kind
0: of like Matrix. Matrix, you're asleep and you can die.
1: Wow, I never thought about that.
0: So you can you can absolutely do all these crazy twists on it. But it's funny where I thought you were going with the question was, you're, you're, you're you know, Tasha, We we need a writer on this idea where um, someone goes in and, and kills people in their sleep. What do you want to do with it? I would originally, I would immediately go to theme character what is the relationship I want to do and as as even I said out of my own mouth like I didn't care about that at Halloween I cared yeah. about the slasher I cared about how scary it was and what the scares were
1: yeah so, no uh, that's I completely I completely agree with you and I think as long as a writer um sticks to those if you you stick to themes and your characters and your new story that you want to tell I guess what I'm saying is that the diehard fans might be a little more forgiving because, you know, I, I, if like you're calling something a nightmare on Elm Street, I feel like the one thing you need is someone who kills someone in their sleep. Like I think yeah. that's like that's the foundation. Now go with God and do whatever you want with that idea.
0: Halloween movies can be so so varied, right? I, I love the original Halloween, and it's just a slasher movie. Scream. I mean, Scream has relationships, I guess technically. Yeah. But, like, my favorite horror movies are, like, The Conjuring Mm -hmm. or Haunting of Hill House, which I know is not a movie. But those, like, very, very, like, deeply character-driven horror movies where the horror comes from, like, a metaphor for what the character story is that you're telling. Like, that's the movie that I would want to write and that I enjoy watching the most. But it is interesting that there's this huge spectrum and all of them are equally valid. Like, People seem to not like Halloween ends, but there's definitely a cult following of movies that are, Halloween movies in particular, that are just utterly and completely ridiculous and badly written. (laughs) Like the dialogue is just terrible. Mm -hmm. You don't know where you're going from one place to one place and it just like jumps the shark. There are people who love those kinds of Halloween horror movies because there's something about horror that allows you to kind of do anything (laughs) (laughs) that you don't get the same forgiveness in other genres, which I think is really interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and Conjuring is one of my favorite horror films ever for that so reason. Good. It's character-based and it has the jump scares. And I, mm-hmm. I always wonder why people see horror films. Is it f- just to feel that excitement that you don't really find in life, hopefully, where you're not having jump scares every single day yeah. of your life? But The Conjuring just nailed it. That movie destroyed me.
0: Oh, so good. Do you remember when that movie came out how there were like posts on – theater doors as you were coming in warning you about the conjuring and how people have passed out while watching it.
1: Uh no, but I don't remember I
0: remember it. that so clearly. I was like, "Oh shit. Like is that yeah. is that real or is that just part of the marketing?" And there was no one knew back then. It was like, "Is it real or is it part of the marketing?" And I still don't know to this day.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's that's the interesting thing with horror films is like it really sometimes does rely on a high concept or a hook. I think a lot of people will see horror films based off of oh this is a cool concept i'll see that but my point being is that you just need to go deeper that's what the conjuring did that's why it's a classic yeah but then you know it birthed things like annabelle which isn't as deep as the conjuring but still good yeah
0: but still good yeah yeah so you can kind of do anything damn
1: yeah insidious (sighs) also awesome
0: also awesome but that feels like that's that's about a couple, right? It's been
1: a long time since I've seen that, but yeah, no, no, I think it's about a father going after his son. Yeah, yeah, who gets stuck in that like coma state or comatose state.
0: Yeah, okay, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>,
1: <laughs> me. All right, all right, I think we're, we're we're we did it. We talked about Halloween, talked yeah. about rewriting.
0: Well, okay. I would love to get a horror writer on here, Dave Levinson,
1: Dave Levinson. and.
0: Yeah talk about we should have we should planned this ahead and done this yeah. for the Halloween week totally. but talk about horror and what makes different horror movies work like how is this how does the slasher movie work if you want to write a horror movie you know, like where do I start do I write the slasher version that's simpler do I write the more character driven mm-hmm. one if it is the character driven one where do you start because um, that's a really, really hard part because it does all metaphors and allegory, and it's all of those really fun things, but those are the hardest things to write. So we should talk about it and break it down and 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 Dave Levinson come on the podcast.
1: I actually love this idea. I am 100% in because uh, there's something that I is so appealing about horror films to me. Like, yeah, I just love it. I love I love the movies and I love the reasons why people love those movies.
0: I didn't realize you were such a horror fan.
1: I, I'm not like it's not like me in action films but it's like yeah. I appreciate the the experience of seeing it yeah that's me all I, I appreciate horror films let's just put it that way but not um I'm not like a saw guy I'm not right. I'm more of like a scream conjuring type person yeah when it I gets gory nah man like that yeah bloody, gory for gory's sake not gory not for a fan. gory's no just disgusting <laughs> anyway uh, we're gonna
0: have to get our shit together make sure we do a Christmas movie episode
1: Woohoo, Christmas movies! Let's do that.
0: I want to write a Christmas movie so bad, you guys.
1: Me too. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quote of the day The work that I'm proudest of is the work that I'm most afraid of, Steven Spielberg. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm
1: Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram.
0: And as always, the Act Two Podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify.